as I thought about graduation, I thought about transition, and the simple fact of the matter is most of us do not like a lot of change. Change is difficult. I remember years ago reading about this man that was 100 years old in this small town, and they came to interview him, the reporter there, and they said, Sir, I'm sure that over your 100 years in this community, you have witnessed a lot of changes. And he looked at them, spoke in the mic, and said, Yep, and I didn't like a one of them. Sometimes it's hard. Why is change hard? Because we're not in control of what happens. And here's the truth of the matter is, you know, I like to say that we're all want to be in control. We're all control freaks, and then we find out one day we're in control of nothing. Not really. Matter of fact, I thought about my own journey just here for a moment. And uh, A week before I graduated high school, I broke my leg. Well, actually, it was my ankle. I shattered it, and uh, I was in a cast up to my hip. And so I was on crutches when I took off for college. Actually, I was, you know, but I, I remember graduating high school, and I told someone the other day, moving that tassel over here. And I think that's the right direction. Okay, anyway, move the tassel. And that was a sign. I'd been with those same people for, you know, most of my life. And it hit me. A lot of these people I'll never see again. They're going different directions. All of us are. And, I, you know, that transition, it's tough. Go and do a, a new place. And like I said, then I broke my leg, and I'll never forget. I got to campus, and, oh, I was just having fun playing with the people I met. I, I told them, you know, I was playing football clemson, broke my leg, and I came down here to college. Oh, it was a bunch of just crazy stuff. And they go, yeah, really, really? No, not really. But uh, anyway, you know, just that transition. And then I remember when I graduated college, and I took off to Fort Worth, Texas. Guys, I am a mountain boy. A hillbilly. I hadn't been out of the hills. And it was time to go out of the hills. And I can remember, I got in the car and drove down the mountain and cried the whole way down that mountain. Tears flying and saying, I'll never see the hills again. Yeah, right. You know, I've been here a long time back. God allowed me to be back. Uh, but it was tough. It was tough. And then when I graduated from seminary in December, Cindy and I got married in January. And then two weeks later, we moved to Moorhead City, North Carolina, and uh, started working. And a new marriage, and I guess Rachel and Thomas are right there with all of that. It's tough. It requires trust. It requires leaning upon the Lord. And I want to just briefly this morning look at uh, three pieces of counsel first one, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, which is face your fears. It is frightening when you have to face the unknown. Um, I'm going to read, this is from the Amplified. Like I said, they take the paragraph and make it a book. (laughs) He said, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning fear, but He's given us a spirit of power, and of love, and of calm, and well-balanced mind, discipline, and self-control. Now, this was written to a young guy who was about to become a pastor for the first time, and he was scared. 
Paul tells him right after this, fan the flame of the gift of God. He, you know, he was trying to, he encouraged Timothy. He was trying to say, Timothy, you are, you're gifted, man. God is all over you. You don't have to be so scared and timid. He's just trying to pump him up, you know, build him up. Don't you love those cheerleaders that just take you much higher than you'd ever go? And that was Paul and Timothy's life. Timothy was afraid. And it's hard, you know, when you step out there and you go to a new phase of life. It's just scary. It's it's tough. But isn't it great here? He said, you know, you don't have this cowardice, this timidity. But first he says, God's given you power. Guys, you're not alone. He has empowered you to be able to face the future. He is in you. And he will be with you. And not only power, but love. And uh, that's what we need more than anything, is to know that we're loved and to be able to share that love through us and God says I will fulfill you by allowing you to know you're loved and to be able to love and then self-discipline let's face it a lot of life you don't want to get up you don't want to face tomorrow you don't want to have to uh, do this or that but it's just part of it it's just a lot of life I'll share a story with this Uh, I was four or five and my mom was trying to keep me out of the carport at night. So mom told me the boogeyman lived in the carport. And this was my biggest fear. The boogeyman. I wasn't sure what he was, but I knew I didn't want to see him. I knew he was a monster. But you know, at four or five years old, I had this curiosity. For, you know, curiosity killed the cat. I figured it'd kill me because I had to see the boogeyman. And so this went on a couple of days, and finally I got the nerve up. I made sure the flashlights and the battery worked, and I headed toward the carport. I can, you know, it's tough. Open the door, walk to the gate of the fence, open the fence, had my flashlight hand shaking and trembling, flashing in the carport, looking around for the boogeyman. And I guess it was a cat. I don't know what it was. But something jumped on some stuff and everything, you know, it busted. And I took, I mean, it was like, run for your life. And then I took off with adrenaline flowing and everything else to get in the house. I got, I got in the house. I locked the door. I cut off all the lights. Just in case the boogeyman might have seen me and followed me and knew my whereabouts and was ready to track me down. And I sat in the quiet, shivering and trembling because I knew... I was about to meet Jesus. But, of course, I learned an important lesson that night. There was no boogeyman. A lot of worry, a lot of fear, a lot of dread. No boogeyman. You know, a lot of our fears in life, they're just not there, guys. If we walk in the Lord... He gives us the strength to go. We can build some of the biggest fears, some of the biggest roadblocks to moving forward. And God says, walk with me, and I'll get you through it. He got me through the boogeyman, and I I believe he'll get you through what you face, right? Brian. And Thomas from New Orleans, I'm sure you don't, can't hear me. <clears throat> okay, next one. Forget your failures. This is from Philippians 3. 12 through 14. 
he, Paul writes, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal uh, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, I haven't already obtained all of it. I'm not perfect. I'm not super Christian. I don't have it all together. Okay, I'm still in this struggle with you. <laughs> As he writes to the church at Philippi, he says, guys, I, I haven't arrived. And real Christianity, you don't arrive until you arrive in heaven. It is a journey. And it is adventure. So, you know, just hold on. Here, here's what he says. First, he says, I'm, I'm forgetting what is behind and, and straining toward what's ahead. There's regrets, and there are things we've done that, man, it can just paralyze you. You can say, God never used me. And Paul, he's forgetting what's behind. Now, he's the guy, remember, as he tortured Christians, as he tortured God's people, as, as, as he watched, it says that he was there watching Stephen die at this stone. He had all this guilt, he had all that, and, and he says, I'm laying that behind. And, and I don't know, maybe you have some deep regrets, guys. But lay it. Don't hang on to it. Let it go. Let it go. Move ahead. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I read that in the, our deserts, North America, there, there are two birds. They're probably there. There's a hummingbird and there's a vulture. And, man, they're different, at least in their diet. The vultures fly around looking for rotting meat. Okay, now everybody's like, ugh, preacher, did you have to say that? But, you know, that's, that's what they're looking for. That's what they're tuned into is the rotting meat. Then you have the hummingbirds, and they're looking for colorful, beautiful flowers that have nectar and life. And, you know, that's, that's, that's what they're looking for. What are you looking for? You know, God says, strain ahead. Don't get caught up in the, the rotting, stinking parts of life that you can't change, that you can't fix, that you can't control. But look, look for the life that God has supplied you and the life that's in people and, and, and you know, live there. Live there. Trust there. Um, there is a, a photographer named Edward Steichen. I probably got that wrong, uh, Rach. You probably know his name to pronounce it. But uh, Edward, he almost didn't become a photographer. When he was 16 years old, he had taken 50 pictures. He was excited about it, but when he showed his parents... Only one picture came out well. So his dad said, Son, I believe you shouldn't do that. You're not very good. But his mom looked at it and saw the one picture that came out that he took of his sister. And she said, wow, That is wonderful. You have a gift. You have a talent. And he went on to take some pictures that are well-known and loved and cherished. So he's done that for many years. And, you know, what was the difference? He didn't focus on those 49 failures, but upon the encouragement of the one picture. And that's so much a lie. Don't focus on the many failures that come your way. Grab hold of the blessing and hang on to fall forward through that blessing. And God will be faithful. God will be faithful. And, and one more. Um, follow your faith. Hebrews 12, 1 through Three. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Must have been a tough time. He says, I don't want you to grow weary and lose heart. I don't want you to give up. And so he reminds them that there are those who have gone ahead and they made it. They went through, and as a matter of fact, you go through Hebrews 11, we're talking tough stuff they made it through. And he said, these guys, you can look to them for an example. You can cheer them on. I've heard both sides of this. I've heard some people say, you know, you look back on the fact that as they held on to God, God all the time was holding on to them and getting them through it. And so they're, you know, they're role models for us. And then I've heard those that say this great cloud of witnesses, they're looking down like a cheerleading section saying, go for it, go for it. But either way, man, there's hope. There's hope to move forward. And, And that hope, is in Jesus. That's for all of us. doesn't matter if you're a graduate, if you're in transition. It's always about following Him. Um, Apollo 13, and maybe you guys have seen the movie. I realize it goes, that's way back now, but uh, from history, they actually had a time where they had to cut the computer off, the navigational system, for 39 seconds. Now, you know, when you're far away in space... And you want to come home. You don't want to lose your navigational system. You want to be able to get home. And so they came up with a simple plan for 39 seconds. They had to set their sights. They had to set their eyes on their destination where they wanted to go. And that was the earth. And so they spotted the earth and manually steered toward the earth what they saw for 39 seconds. And then were able to cut the system back on and that's how they got home they spotted on where they were going for us it's Jesus for us the compass is the scriptures that give us clarity upon who Jesus is and upon where we're to go and how we're to follow him but he, he's the one that we set our gaze upon that we look toward he's the author of our faith he's the finisher of our faith man he, he's the start of this And he's going to be the end of it. When all else fails, when all people walk out, he walks in. That's our God and and, uh, that's the counsel. You guys are going to do well. I look at at you guys and you're a lot further ahead than I was at that stage of the game. And so uh, your families have a lot to be proud of. So grateful for you. So there's my cheerleading part. Yay! (laughs) We're going to have a a time of invitation. Um, I don't know what God's up to. Transition's not just about graduation from school. There's other type of graduations. And that's about bowing the knee, right? Um, What's God up to? Are there areas that you need to give to God? Maybe it is salvation. Maybe you've just never said, Jesus, enter my life. Maybe you've been 
controlling the navigational system of your life. And you realize, man, I, I'm messing up. There's only one place to look, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the way, he's the truth, and the life. No other way to get to the Father. Um, so this time we call invitation response is a chance for you to trust him and to just be honest because it's always about being honest and just talking to God, saying, God, I need you in my life. I need to be forgiven. I need to know I'm going to heaven. So, Father, forgive me. Enter my heart, my life. Make me new. Give me that security. Uh, If you pray that way, honestly, Jesus will enter your heart. For others of us, maybe there's just something, and God's really nailed you this morning, and you need to come to the altar, or you may need to share with the people of God. We just want Him to work. I'm going to say a word of prayer. Jeff will move up, and we'll stand and sing. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we love you, Lord. Sometimes we don't look like it. Thank you, you love us. Uh, Father, I thank you for Ryan. I thank you for Rachel and Thomas. Thank you for this transition, and a new place to step. Father, may their steps be with you, and it makes all the difference. Help us be a good church family to them, Lord. We don't know exactly where you'll lead, but we just know you will. We love them, Lord. Thank you for them. Father, I pray for your guidance. Father, for all of us, what are you up to, Lord? What do you want to do this morning? I just pray that you, Holy Spirit, would be free to tug at our hearts and bring us to the altar if that's where we need to go. But, Father, we know that you want to bring us close to you, so that's all I pray. Bring us close to you. In your name we ask this. Amen.